0: What do you know about elder care? Should you even care? You're going to find out the answer to this and more coming up next. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. ¿Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. ¿Qué hubo? How is it going? This is Jen Hemphill, your host, and I am honored you chose to spend this time with me. Today, we are going to learn about preparing for the future, whether in helping our aging parents or for ourselves, and I've got just the expert to help us do that. In today's episode, you're going to learn the impact seeing her mother become a caregiver for her father had on her, as well as what she did with the frustration she encountered with the complexities of elder care when dealing with her aging mom and her top three tips in navigating elder care. Let me share with you about Joanna Gordon-Martin. She is the founder and CEO of Thea Senior Solutions, an integrated elder care platform and consultancy that helps advisors and families navigate the complexities of dementia and elder care. Joanna is a former biotech executive at which she led the most successful drug launch in her company's history, and she's also an entrepreneur, having started two businesses, a biotech consultancy called J.L. Gordon Associates and Thea, which she built after trying to navigate the complexities of elder care with her own aging mother. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer a Joanna. Let's go meet Joanna. Joanna. <music> Bienvenida, Joanna Martin, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you here.
1: Thanks so much, Jen. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you.
0: Well, you have a wealth of experience. It's amazing everything that you accomplished. So first and foremost, I want to congratulate you on all that you have accomplished, especially I mean, just I love to uh, with her being the podcast is called Her Money Matters. I love to feature women and really celebrate women as well and what they've done. So congratulations first and foremost, on everything that you've accomplished. And, You're very
1: kind. Thank you. Oh,
0: no problem. And I wanted, as always, we get to know you in terms of your money story. So tell us a little bit about what you experienced, what you saw, what you heard as you grew up around money.
1: Yeah, so... Um... You know, I think for me, I mean, I was very fortunate in terms of my upbringing. I am first generation here on my mother's side. My mother was born in Prague and was raised in Germany. German's my first language. Was raised in the suburbs of New York City, um, also lived in Switzerland for some time as a kid. And I think for me, you know, if I look at sort of the impact of of money on my life, I think a major impact was my father um, when I was 10 years old getting sick with cancer He had multiple myeloma, which uh, certainly had a lot of impact on me in the future of my career. But I think very early on, I saw the impact of not only caregiving for somebody who was in decline, but also of a woman having to garner tremendous strength to not only care for an ailing husband, but then to uh, manage two young girls through his decline, ultimately his death. And really uh, keeping things together so that there were no gaps for us in terms of where we lived or who cared for us or what was being managed. And I think a lot of that probably fueled for me strength of character. I think a lot of it fueled for me the desire to not have to rely on anybody and to be fiercely independent and I think it's only in retrospect today that I can look back and say that, um, you know, my mother will say to me oftentimes, it's because things were so difficult that you're so strong and so ambitious and so capable. I may have my, my own questions about that, but there's no doubt that I think a lot of that had to do with the drive I had for independence and probably had a lot to do, too, that even when I had my, my first child, you know, he was born and within when he was three months old, I was going to business school full time, I was working full time with a global job. I was nursing him. You know, I was I was all over the map kind of with it, but a lot of it was this desire to care for my family, both financially as well as emotionally. And I think the interesting thing was my father's disease multiple myeloma had a large part to do with me joining Celgene Corporation back in two thousand four. And their focus at that time was on developing a cure for multiple myeloma. And the capital markets valued the company tremendously well during the six uh, years that I was there. So I think there's a lot about it that I absolutely agree with your premise that a lot of your experience earlier in life and experiences you've had with with finances and with, with money have a lot to do with kind of where you end up. Though it's difficult to see that path when you're first starting out.
0: So, yes, it is very interesting that how much of an impact our upbringing has and, and affects actually what we do. So I'm in the world of finances, of personal finances, and even though – at a young age or a younger age, I'm going to say, <laughs> even though at a younger age, I felt that I had it figured out or, and I saw the impact of the lack of money on my parents, right? So I was determined that that was not going to happen to me. So you, as a, as a young girl, you saw your mom really, really working hard and you were determined to not have it be so hard, even though you know you put yourself through school, you were raising a child, you became a successful uh, businesswoman. You, so I, I, I always find it so interesting. But something else happened. So you focused a while on uh, helping a, a company finding that cure for multiple myeloma, being that your father dealt with that, and yeah. then your. Uh, tell us what happened next, because your mom. we we are all aging, but you found yourself (laughs) at a point where you had to help your mom in terms of her, the aging process and what was happening with her. Tell us a little bit about that because that's what landed on your lap next.
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, I spent the bulk of my career as an executive in the biotech industry and certainly, you know, it was more on the commercial side, the marketing side, the business development side, the transaction side. But obviously, a heavy scientific focus. And I would say, you know, I grew up while well, my father passed when I was quite young. My stepfather was a physician. Both of my stepbrothers were physicians. So I often say um, I know enough to be dangerous because I know how to ask questions and I am mm. very determined to get results and, and also know what I know and know what I don't know and know how to surround myself with people that can make up for my deficiencies where I lack knowledge. I think what I found, Jim, was, you know, so at this point, I was running my, my first business that I founded, which was um, biotech consultancy that was focused on capital raising for early stage biotech companies. And, you know, I had a job where I, I traveled quite extensively. I had you know young kids at home, you know, was constantly doing a juggling act with that. But I found that as my mother, who was widowed uh, down in Florida, so 1,500 miles away from where I live. Started to experience some issues. I really found that it was starting to become, you know, quite a slippery slope. In that I was based, you know, in the Northeast. My sister was in California. Mom is quite far, you know, far from us, and thankfully, uh, cognitively quite sound, so still has, you know, complete clarity of mind and is able to make decisions. But she was a hardcore athlete, and her joints were starting to take their toll on her. And I think for me, you know, I'm a fairly strategic person. I'm somebody who looks at the long term and then figures out how I want to build to those goals of the longer term. And my concern that I was seeing with my mom was I was just envisioning, you know, in this home that had a lot of beautiful area rugs that I would trip on when I would be visiting her, that it wasn't unreasonable to to expect as she was starting to have more difficulty with her gait, that a fall might not be an unreasonable thing to have happen and, as I was visiting her, we started to talk about and things that I just had no idea of who are all the doctors that she sees, what are all the medications she takes, if there were a hospital that she had to go to, where would she be going and It made me really start to feel unsettled that if something were to happen to her, I wasn't going to know the first thing about how to engage or who was going to be my support down in Florida if something were to happen with my mom because it would probably be 24 to 40 hours before I could get down there on a flight, right? You know, by the time we we dealt with all of that. And I think for me, you know, it was a slippery slope in terms of thinking initially, well, I can visit a couple more times a year or I can be there for important appointments. And I started to realize that I wasn't going to be able to function with doing that and being that long-distance caregiver as a daughter with all of the responsibilities I had to my family and my business. And so I started about on a search to identify who could be my boots on the ground. And I really found a scenario that I, I didn't find too palpable. And I say that because what I found, Jen, was As I started to inquire about what resources were there for older adults, what I found was I started out by trying to call uh, the Office on Aging in the county where my mother lived and I made over 16 phone calls and never could get a phone call back. I started to do some research online about different places that might be able to help with mom come to find that everybody was out there wanting to sell me something. A lot of companies that would say they can help you find a place, you know, at no cost. And literally what they're trying to do is get to information about your asset base as quickly as possible. And the way that they make their money is when you decide to place your parent in a facility, which I can say more about that a little bit later. They're getting a commission that's often five figures in terms of, you know, a placement of a head in a bed. And for me, the challenge was, number one, I wasn't looking for my mother to go to a long-term care facility by any means. At this point, I didn't even necessarily feel that she needed in-home care. It was more about what was the plan going to be if there, there was a problem. And you know, by looking at, you know, there are a lot of wonderful people that work in geriatrics. We've hired many of them at Thea, and I'm very proud of, you know, who the staff is that we have. But it's also an industry that is clouded by a lot of false incentives and, and commissions. And I just felt that my mother was not a unit. My mother was somebody that deserved to to have her twilight years be treated with the same amount of dignity that she had had in her, in her younger years. So it was really after trying to take a look at this and seeing what I saw as a really big problem. But then looking at the demographic data, and I think, as everybody knows, I mean, America is aging. And I, I mean, the statistics are tremendous in terms of 10,000 people every day turn 65. Right. And this is going to continue right now, I believe, through to the next 20 years that there is going to be um, you know, this kind of, uh, of trend where we're seeing so many people that are aging at such a rapid pace. And the question really was, what is there to keep up with it? And what I was looking for didn't exist. And I, I started talking with more of my friends about what I was finding. And here I found many women in their 40s, 50s, 60s were saying the exact same thing, that the stress now of caregiving, so to speak, was less about their children who were becoming more self-sufficient, but that we really were that sandwich generation that was now starting to have to deal with the caregiving needs of our parents. And the more people I talked to, the more convinced I was that there was an opportunity to create a business. I didn't know what it was at that time, but I um, ended up transacting a fairly decent deal with my existing business and sold off a part of uh, the practice of that business. And really dug in to start to say for six months, okay, I'm really going to analyze this market and try to understand it and try to understand what exists in it and see if there's an opportunity to create something because it really means something to
0: me. So you created a business or you, at first you didn't know what this business was going to look like. You just knew that there was something missing, things that you were looking for that to help your mom that didn't exist. And you talked to with your friends and you found themselves in the same situation. So you decided to take matters into your own hands start this business so what has evolved what what do you provide um, with your business to help yeah, other families?
1: Sure sure so I think what evolved in it was was trying to take a look at the real challenges in the landscape because if you look at elder care overall, it's an incredibly fragmented set of issues that exist. when you think about it there's challenges from the standpoint that So many things that need to be considered, right? What are we doing as far as patient advocacy? If mom or dad are going to the doctor's office, who's translating all the complicated medical information? Um, How is that being addressed? I mean, as we get into our 80s, the average number of physicians an older adult often has is eight. The average amount of time a physician spends with a patient is eight minutes. There's a lot that's going on in that visit that, you know, understanding how all of those things are integrated. But it's also around issues like insurance. Who's managing the reimbursement issues? Who's making sure that, that that's coming through? Long-term care insurance. How is that being dealt with? Supportive care. If uh, mom or dad start to need more support in the home, are they becoming forgetful? Are they leaving, you know, pots on the stove that are burning? Is there food in the refrigerator? Are they able to dress themselves? Are they able to, to you know, take care of themselves independently? Um, So many different issues, you know, outside of just the doctor, but it's, you know, is home care needed? Are there dementia issues that are settling in? Um, What about socialization? I mean, we often talk about aging in place and think it's a wonderful thing for people, but it can be really isolating for an older adult. So there's so many different components to what goes on that oftentimes nobody thinks about until they're in the midst of it, and then they understand why it's so stressful. And In my research, what I came to understand from a MetLife study is that the average caregiver, long-distance caregiver, is spending upwards of one full workday a week just trying to navigate the services. So, this is not there's there's a lot of statistics out there about you know how many baby boomers there are and. The number of, you know, adult children that are care, caring for these, these parents. So I think, you know, there's 80 million baby boomers and 42 million adult children are involved in the care of their parents. I'm not referring to those individuals necessarily. I'm referring to the individuals who were like me, you know, the executive who now was finding themselves on the phone more, trying to understand resources, trying to follow up with doctors, understand what the diagnosis was and and what needed to be done, and if there was a specialist that needed to be addressed, so there were so many different pieces to this, and I tried to take a look at it more from the standpoint of, okay, well, this is so fragmented, and if there's so many different aspects to this that are involved in the care and the support of care, what's the solution that's really needed here? And I think Now, there are plenty of businesses that are focused on more narrow areas, right? So so just home care or help with insurance or the social activities, perhaps. But I was really looking for something comprehensive or somebody that would be able to be those boots on the ground and be that quarterback to be able to not only support the older adult, but to be able to create transparency for the adult children in terms of the data that existed, in terms of understanding strategically different paths that they could take in terms of care and what each of those paths might mean along the way. So, you know, from that, I mean, it was it was very obvious that it was fragmented. It was all over the place. And I think even my answer is probably all over the place. But the reality was, I mean, it was every, you know, there, there were so many different aspects that this had. And then it was the question, really, well, how could we be looking at technology today to be able to say that, that this would aid us and that this would be able to support what exists out there? So, you know, one of the things that we often hear when people call us at TheA looking for help, they'll say, Well, I've been trying to Google things, but I can't find anything. And I think that's the reality of the fragmented system is that it's very difficult to understand what are the best resources, who are the right people, what is it that you really need. So, you know, to me, it was really starting with what was the assessment that you needed to look at. And you know, the assessment is not just about The older adult themselves. I mean, we certainly do that. And, you know, we'll go into a home and take a look at how is somebody functioning in the home? What are the current supports that they have? What might be risks that we see in terms of of what's going on? But also talking to the family, um, because there are always very complicated family dynamics, people with lots of different viewpoints on what needs to be done or how things should be done Oftentimes, there's the sister that may live more locally, who's burnt out because she's taking on the stress of of helping to care for mom or dad, and and she's often that that daughter that is, you know, spending 20 hours a week working with the parents. You know, has had to cut down her work by over 40 percent. But we also know that 90 percent of these women report symptoms of depression, which is really really concerning when you look at the toll of.
0: Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you.
1: Of what is there. So, you know, from it, when we created Thea Senior Solutions, so Thea is the Greek goddess of light and clarity. And I really named uh, the company Thea for a couple of reasons. In one, my mom has a background in the classics. So uh, I was read Greek myth ad nauseum as a kid. Um, but Thea, you know, as the goddess of light and clarity was really providing what I felt was missing. And that was, you know, this was, it was very difficult, one, to understand what needed to be done to, to have clarity in terms of the resources that were available. And three, you know, this was an industry that oftentimes the people that are offering to, you know, sell you something they're being incented on the back end. There are heavy commissions that that get applied to placements. And so I think that was a lot of, for me, kind of the the development of it and the technology side of it. You know, look, I, I wish I could tell you that the issue of aging could be solved with an app and that there was an easy way to be able to deal with that. And, and look, I really struggled with it as far as looking at how do we scale this business and how do we take a look at not just, I mean, today we're operating in eight cities on the East Coast, but how do we take this to a national presence? And is there a way for us to be able to create something that can help everybody? And our vision certainly is to get to a middle market product where we're able to create complete transparency in the resources. But I think the difficulty so, so let me say a word maybe about the technology side. I mean, we're really using technology from our standpoint at how to create efficiency, how to create clarity, and how to make sure that access to the right information is available. What we often know is 85% of people that come to us today come to us in crisis. There's been a fall, mom's in the hospital, they don't know what to do. There's been issues with dementia that somebody's wandered, they don't know what to do. There's been an accident with the car and they're afraid they need to take the keys away, but they don't know what to do. But there's often some major catalyst that drives people to contact us. And I think, and I will go down to my grave saying that people need to plan more proactively for aging. But it's a tough topic. Nobody wants to have the conversation. Nobody wants to initiate it, and so so it's difficult, right? And I think you know, for us from a business standpoint, I hate to see people in crisis, but if people come to us and they need help, we're able to demonstrate value really quickly. We're able to help implement resources and support, and we're able to build a relationship with them. But I think for us, the whole idea behind you know our Thea Vault, as we call it in our emergency response system, is Trying to take the learnings that we have of all the information that people never have when it's time of crisis and trying to help them plan proactively to have that information available at their fingertips. It's everything from, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, who are all of the doctors? What are all of the medications? What are the allergies? How does one gain access to the home? you know, if there's a a pet who's going to come in and take care of that, but it's also understanding, you know, beyond the the legal aspects of this, that it is certainly very important that there are powers of attorney that have been established and that there's, you know, medical proxies and healthcare proxies available. But part of it is also, do the people, the adult children oftentimes that have been given those responsibilities, do they understand what that means, right? And is it does it make most sense if mom and dad are on the East Coast that the brother in California has that responsibility, right? So so a lot of it is trying to help families think through what those things are. So it, it was, for me, very much a, okay, clearly there are services that are needed here. You need to be able to get people who are highly skilled and capable to be able to deliver the services. So... You know, this was my concept, my vision, but, you know, I started to try to find who were the best and brightest in the areas of kind of healthcare navigation and advocacy. And the team of people that we've built at Thea, so we're a woman-owned business, primarily female staff. The staff are primarily geriatric social workers and nurses. On average, they have 20-plus years of experience. Some of them have worked extensively on the social services side. Some of them have worked more on the private side in hospitals, in facilities, but these are people who really have a soul for older adults and and for what they're doing, but also have a lot of expertise in managing family dynamics and helping people to deal with these difficult situations, to have the conversations, to put a plan in place, and then to be able to put the supports in place and oversee them and really use the technology to make sure that there's access to information, that there's intensity around privacy. But it's also allowing us from a business standpoint to build up a tremendous database, not only of resources, um, but also of you know, information that allows us to better serve future clients. When we know that somebody with a particular disease, what types of services they've had to use over time, how we may see progression over time for what types of services other individuals may need which we feel really could influence a lower touch, more middle market product in the future. Does that make
0: sense? This is definitely fascinating. As you know, before we started recording, I was in the field of working with older adults. So really listening to you speak on these matters, I find fascinating. And I wanted to mention to you, because uh, this book may be of interest of you, to you in case you don't know about it, because I interviewed the author Lisa Strunberg, her she wrote a book called Work, Pause, Thrive. And it's about us women who we work at some time, some portion of our career, we may pause for to take care of our kids or our aging parents. And I think that might be um, useful for you. So I wanted to mention that because she is absolutely fascinating, just like you. So wanted to put that in <laughs> your ear, because I think that would be yeah. helpful for you when you speak, especially you probably nine times out of 10, the pe your employees, the people that work in your company are speaking most likely to the women. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: So it's interesting. I, you know, I think for us, there's another book that just came out. It's called Ambition Redefined. And the author is a woman named Catherine Solman. And she actually interviewed me for that book specifically about the issue of taking care of parents and kind of the issue of now look, for women, oftentimes we are making decisions on career based on caregiving, right? And whether that's the decision that when we have our children and we need to find a way to right size, you know, the the type of work that we're doing, perhaps to, to give us the balance of the type of mother that we want to be. Um, I certainly wish personally that I'd read Catherine's book earlier in life because I was always just driving, 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 driving and, and trying to juggle it all, which is... Incredible, but there's there's no one way to do it, and I think the reality is for many women. So as you know, we are all living longer, and you know everybody's seeking longevity, but with longevity also comes with risks. And the reality is today that with living longer, so you know today there is a much higher significance of dementia because people are living longer. So you know today at the age, what the data says is that by the age. 85 now, 70% of people will be exhibiting some form of cognitive decline. We didn't see this, gen so much with our grandparents because they didn't live this long, right? Our parents are living much, much longer. And again, tremendous benefits with that. But while the, the research in terms of regenerative medicine and various therapies that have come to keep our bodies functioning longer, the research for the brain has just not kept step with that so that we're just not to the same pace. and The reality is for most of us, we will be sandwich generation daughters dealing not only with children, but our parents. And I think it's a big factor that we see with you know, a lot of the financial services companies that look toward you know, women and prospecting women and looking for women clients. The aspect of how caregiving and helping to think through those issues influences women is incredible. And I think that there's, you know, there's a piece of it too where I think for women thinking about being empowered, there is a period of time, let's say you you stay home with your children until they're maybe in fourth grade, likely you have a significant opportunity to contribute to the family's portfolio during the next 10 years before you may be faced with taking care of a parent, you know, of one of four. And women definitely are on the forefront of this. What we've learned at Thea through our client base. So in my early days, as I mentioned, I took on a lot of friends as clients for free because part of it was who was I to say that I was on to something or who was I to say that there was a business, kind of this issue of navigating care. I find that there's a real difference in the mentality of a daughter versus the mentality of a son in general, right? I mean, there are always outliers. But I always expected that more of our clients at Thea would turn out to be executive women. And we do have a lot of executive women who are our clients. But more often, our clients are male. And I think part of it is, you know, we find that when we take on the men, the men often look at this and will say, this is totally overwhelming. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Thea has either come to me recommended or it's a you seem highly competent where do I write a check so that I can get this figured out? The difference with the women that come to us, oftentimes we're having to work with them to help assuage guilty feelings that they have that they're not doing this themselves. And we're not coming in to be the new daughter in town. What we're coming in is to create transparency in terms of the data to help these daughters make informed decisions for their parents that are going to, in the long run, save them and not just Financially from, you know, thinking ahead on things, but it's going to save them time and it's going to save them emotional uh, distress. I mean, there's, there's nothing easy about people declining, but if people wait until crisis, that's, that's the challenge. And I think for so many of us as daughters, There's this feeling that we should be the ones to step in and manage this. And I think to me, the balance of thinking about, you know, caring for your family is not just about the caregiving, but it's also about caring for them with financially sound decisions and trying to see how you can best balance, you know, keeping an income coming in while supporting the care.
0: This has been absolutely fascinating. Again, I wanted to ask you one last question. And this is what would you say it would be your top three tips uh, to prepare for when it when the time comes to help our aging parents?
1: So I think, you know, we're recording this show right now, you know, at the beginning of December, right? So, you know, I say that because the holidays are a time where people often go home and you know, for many of us, we don't live near our parents. So there may be a couple of times a year where we're seeing them. It might be over the summer. It may be over the holidays. But I would say, you know, there are a few things that people should be considering when they are going home to visit the parents. They need to start thinking a little bit more seriously about a plan. And I would say oftentimes walking into the home, noticing if bills are piling up, you know, that is a telltale sign that People aren't functioning in the same way that they used to, that there are concerns that, you know, daily things aren't being taken care of. When you're going home, are you noticing burned pots? Are you noticing that things seem out of place? Are you noticing that mom or dad maybe seems a little bit more forgetful? And I think with the forgetfulness, you know, everybody can sometimes forget, you know, gosh, there's a name that's on the tip of my tongue. I mean, that is something that is fairly normal, but it's things where asking questions about, how was the vacation? Did you enjoy the vacation that we took last year? And they're saying, I don't remember what you're talking about. You know, But I think it's also really asking, I talked a little bit with you about the things that we know people never seem to have in time of crisis. And for people really starting to think about, do they have all the information they would need to be able to act on behalf of their parents if there were to be an emergency But if they're caring for their parents already, is the toll of that taking its effect on them personally? Do they maybe need somebody to help them with some respite care, you know, not taking away the responsibility, but maybe a day or two, a week, a month, um, giving them an opportunity to be able to to look at some of those things. And I think also, you know, if you find yourself where you're starting to see that you're having to rearrange your schedule for work or, or with your own family and children, because of issues with your parents, it may be time to start thinking about a plan and looking out for a little bit more help. Because unfortunately, as we often start to see these things slide, it doesn't get better over time. And I think that's for many of us where our experience in caregiving has been as mothers, children, and I say this knocking on my wooden desk, you know, if they're, if they're God willingly born healthy, They get easier over time until they get to be the age of my children where they're teenagers and then they're causing you grief in a whole new way. But, um, you know, I think that it is thinking about what does it really mean? You know, unfortunately, as older adults start to age, it usually becomes a slippery slope where one issue turns into another and turns into another. And how can we as women be protecting ourselves as well as protecting our loved ones? And a lot of that comes down to just like with our finances, having a plan in place, and being prepared to act and knowing that there's communication around it and knowing who your quarterback will be on the ground if you don't live near your parents
0: there is something to be said for planning because it, it definitely helps it's not going to be the solution to everything for sure but it's going to make life easier because when it uh, the time comes to care for an aging parent there's so many other factors that uh, that you you're dealing with the emotional there could be the dispute between a sibling whatever it is but just having that plan in place and even ha- getting the whole family involved with that plan makes life a lot easier. So definitely, I agree with you planning.
1: (laughs) There's a lot to be said to be for a plan. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it, it is, but I think that what people often think about is, you know, they're thinking mostly about the healthcare side. And I think the reality is being unprepared creates tremendous vulnerability. And it can be vulnerability, you know, in terms of family conflict, it can be financial fraud, it can be financial abuse. It can be, you know, there There can be a number of different pieces that are there that we really suggest to people, you know, whether it's, you know, addressing the the issues of incapacity, whether they're cognitive or otherwise, it is really important to be able to know what you know and know where you need to be able to seek out guidance from a third party to help you. But, you know, I think to your point, Jen, that the the toll it takes, you know, I can't say it enough, the financials, for sure, it takes a toll if you're not prepared But emotionally, what it can do to families and the time that is involved can be incredible. We can't tell you that we can help you to take away the difficulty of aging completely. But there certainly are ways that you can put parameters in place to make it not as difficult as it as it can be.
0: Absolutely. And this has been so amazing, Joanna. I've really enjoyed the chat with you. I've enjoyed the wisdom that you have provided. So I really appreciate your time and everything that you shared with us today.
1: Terrific. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks for having me.
0: So what did you think? Mind blowing, right? I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting and learning from Joanna. You can visit her website over at theaseniorsolutions.com. I will also have this link in today's show notes. The mention, semanal or the mention of the episode, (laughs) this episodio or the shout out goes to Veronica. Lately, she's been winning with keeping up with her budget. Go, Veronica. She's also been taking other actions like being conscious of her spending. She would go to her kitchen and look in the pantry and just look at what items she has before she was spending more on groceries. So yes, I see you, Veronica. Keep up the great work, lady. Now today has a lot of valuable information, and it's a lot to take in, but definitely something to keep in mind. I hope today's episode gave you some food for thought, no matter where you are at in life. If you're a millennial and thinking, I don't have to worry about these issues for a long time, or whether you're dealing with that aging parent at this very moment. You can also, to add more value, you can also listen to an episode I did. It's a solo episode on having that money talk with your aging parents. And that is episode 151. And you can just go to jenhemphill.com forward slash 151. If you are needing a boost in your money confidence, if you need to gain clarity on your finances, I encourage you to check out the hermoneymattersacademy.com for free and paid resources available to you. There's even some bonus free resources you can get access to when you go through the other resources, meaning you got to do the work to get to those bonus resources. Setting up your account is free if you already have the my daily money ritual, you'll already have a taste of the academy. But FYI, if you've logged in one time and haven't come back, <laughs> I have added more goodies in there. So be sure to check it out. Next time on the podcast, we will be speaking with Joseph Hoag where he shares how he struggled with his goals. And we are familiar with this, right? It's nothing that is uncommon. A lot of us struggle with our goals, whether we mention it or we talk about it or not. And he's going to share us some fantastic tips, what he learned, the lessons he learned and what he did to change this. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Joanna for joining us, for sharing all the value that you shared, Joanna. It was fantastic. You can check out today's brief show notes or at jenhemphill.com forward slash 168. And don't forget, if you love this episode, if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you share with a friend, coworker stranger, family member, anyone that you feel it would be used to because you just never really know what exactly is going on in their financial life. And this episode or this podcast can be that driving force for motivation and inspiration and to keep going. So I appreciate you being a listener. I appreciate you being here and I will talk to you in a few weeks. Ciao.